Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. Welcome back to another episode of Mouse and Joystick. We are currently on the 17th episode, and the date of recording is November 6, 2017. It has been, it's been a little while since we've done an episode here, uh, but not, nothing to fear. We are, we are back, and there's definitely a lot to talk about today. <laughs> um, last time we did an episode, it was almost back around the first week or two of September, so we're going to be playing a little bit of catch-up here, but I hope... Uh, Hope nobody minds. We got a lot to talk about here, so let's um, introduce everyone again. Um, welcome back to the show, Michael and Noah, as usual. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty doing. good. Quite all right. All right, Noah. I feel like it's actually been a while since we've talked. Uh, we've all been busy doing various things. So, how, how have you been? Anything substantial happened to you since since the last time we did a show? Um, no. I did finish updating my PC, so it's all nice and polished now, so it's all matching. But other than that, I've been pretty, pretty low-key for now. When you say it's all matching, do you have, like, a color scheme going on for it? Yeah, so it's, like, all black, orange, and white right now, because I'm rolling with Gigabyte hardware, the manufacturers, and then for the case, I have a Be Quiet uh, Dark Base 900 row with the glass on the side so you can see all the nice pretty internals <laughs> sounds pretty sexy I, I dig it and how you've been michael uh you've been you've been busy as well how everything going good for you uh yeah everything's going pretty good i have been busy with lots of new games and figuring out computer things and mm -hmm. you know all that stuff, trying to decide whether it's time for an upgrade on my computer or not, and whether or not I can find the money for that. Right on. It's, it's always a struggle. Uh, anyways, um, let's go ahead and just kind of jump into the discussion of the episode we have here. Uh, it's been something, somewhat of a controversial thing going on in the games industry for the past month or two specifically, although it's, I guess you could say it's been creeping up for a while. Uh, but I feel like we're starting to get to a point where a lot of people are just starting to get fed up with the whole loot boxing, especially now that developers are starting to push the boundaries more and more. And uh, a couple of recent examples I have found of this were specifically the way Forza 7, uh, Shadow of War, and Battlefront 2 were handling their loot boxes. Um, we're starting to get to the point now where like actual progression in the games is being tied to random chances from loot boxes at least that's how uh, battlefront 2 was for a little while uh so like back in the beta for star wars battlefront 2 the way that worked was uh you would level up a class based off of how many of those star cards you got for that class and the only way to get star cards was through loot boxes so basically you just had to keep rolling a die and if you got lucky with that dice roll you could eventually have leveled up your class and get new stuff so mm. Um, so a lot of people were just kind of outraged over some stuff that's been going on. 
Uh, thankfully, uh, EA did announce that they were making changes to the loot boxes for Battlefront 2, so that's not quite as big of an issue, but they're, they're definitely poking and prodding, and um, there actually was a, a thing that came out not too long ago about a patent that Activision was trying to get that would specifically oh, yeah. target people that may be marked as susceptible to microtransaction purchases and try to manipulate them into thinking that they had to keep buying loot boxes to get better gear to do better when that was not necessarily the case. It was just the the matchmaking purposely putting them up against like veteran players that have cool items on them. Uh, so it's just all sorts of kind of scummy stuff going on. Um, so I want to ask you guys, you know, like what are your thoughts on how loot boxes have been developing as of late and, do you see it reaching a breaking point? Do you see developers potentially backing off and finding some middle ground between making money and satisfying fans? Um, you can go first, Noah, if you want. Right. Well, I don't know, because I have a really weird feeling that um, depending on what in-game economy and what publishers are doing it, they'll be able to take it farther than some others. Because, like, if you look at a series like Call of Duty, I think they could break the game, I'd say, by a large margin farther than other publishers could do before people would stop buying it, mm -hmm. you know? And they notice a problem. To whereas, like, uh, I wouldn't say smaller, but more dedicated people would probably drop a series if they didn't push it as far or if they did push it too far. Because, like, I feel like Call of Duty's been lost ever since they introduced the, uh, the uh, whole crate key system in there. Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess it technically doesn't really add performance, but I feel like now it's just a game that's designed to make money rather than... Be fun. Um, be fun. Yeah. Um, and then that's, like, one side of the loot boxes where it stopped being a game and is now just like a commercial for itself. Right. Did you, uh, the other... did you see what they did with the the boxes in world war two? I have not. No, basically. I mean, if I'm incorrect with this, you can correct me, Michael, cause you, you've actually been playing it. But from what I understand, um, right now you can't buy them with money, but they are available through like uh, leveling up and daily rewards and stuff like that. But what happens is uh, you can only open your crates when you're in that new headquarters area, the, the hub area where you can just kind of hang out with other players. And mm -hmm. when you actually open a crate, you physically drop it in front of your character and the box falls from the sky onto the Normandy beach, you know, where D-Day happened. And your items pop out of the chest and they're just kind of like floating in air for everyone to see. Uh, everyone in the lobby can see you open your boxes. And uh, in fact... In fact, there's actually daily and weekly challenges that you can complete by watching a certain number of loot crates being opened by other people for rewards. Um, so they're going like you get you get experience for watching experience. other people open loot crates. It's like <laughs> what the heck? Awesome. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. They have not introduced a way of buying crates with money yet, but that could definitely be something they do later down the road. Because to be uh, fair. Call of Duty hasn't really given you a way to be better by buying their crates unless you could count like the melee weapons and DLC weapons that they produced. I don't know. Which, you know yeah, you are um, better. In the, um, I felt like in the 
uh, most recent one before this, so Infinity War Fighter or whatever it fucking was called. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I I felt like you could definitely be better if you bought um, more things because uh, the um, weapons that came with uh, well, Quartermaster or whatever it's called um, had certain perks that were already on the guns without you having to attach anything and then you could attach them to like double the effect of that or like they already had they they already had like a uh, more damage or you know they had a foregrip and if you put another foregrip on it it would like be better and so i saw a lot of that to where if you either put a bunch of time into a game like a lot of time or you bought that um you were definitely ahead of the game so okay but that's just my stance on i did play the last one a deep too much just than I would like to admit. <laughs> right. Since I pretty much had it with that series when they put DLC weapons behind a loot crate system. Yeah, they did that too. That was like cool. So I paid $15 for these maps, but then I can't even use a weapon that came with it because I have to play a, a, a lottery game to get it. So I was like, nope. Yeah, that's that. really annoying. But that's like one side. You know, they're most, I would say, probably two-thirds cosmetic, one-third performance-enhancing loot crate systems, which, you know, I'd say the more it leans towards performance-enhancing, I'm not going to deal with that at all. So, like, you have the Call of Duties where it's kind of leaning more towards cosmetic, but there's also a, a sizable influence on gameplay. And then if you like move over to the other side, you have Blizzard, who's done a really nice job of keeping it all cosmetic for the most part. Um, and then you can go like full on uh, loot crates where you get into like the MMOs and you're basically paying to win the game. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I definitely uh -huh. would prefer if these boxes just stayed purely cosmetic instead of giving you stuff like weapons and perks that actually give you advantages. Yeah. It makes me sad to see like that the from beta through the that crate system was really dumb because like a lot of the attachments or in even the currency wasn't it to upgrade some of the things you had to get through the crate. System. Yeah, you could only get the yeah. currency through the the boxes. Yeah, like most that. of the time. So because not only does it add an ass opponent of time, you also have to get you know the rand range function right too. Mm. Yeah, play that RNG game on top of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I deal with enough RNG. I don't need any more of it. <laughs> yeah, we already played too many games with RNG. It was like the thing that could make or break your, you winning or losing. <laughs> um, I don't know. My take on that, the whole thing is that I think AAA games and companies are probably going to stick with this for a while. Um, there will be some small companies that are going to try to do it just because they want to make money, but I feel like it'll be big for a little while longer, and then you're going to have some smaller companies or some medium-sized companies be like, hey, look, we're not going to do this just for the money, so here, we're just going to actually give you all this stuff in-game. You don't have to pay us for anything, and then it's going to go back to that, to where people are like, hey, yeah. Let's just give everyone everything. It's going to take the AAA companies probably the longest just because they're like, but we want more money <laughs> type thing. Um, 
I, that's just my speculation on what's going to happen. I don't really know for sure, obviously, because I can't tell the future. Uh, <laughs> well, I would say you were actually pretty spot on at that because uh, I think it was just a day or two ago, the uh, developers behind the Monster Hunter series actually came out and were like, we would like to confirm that there are no loot boxes in Monster Hunter World. And people were like, yeah, awesome. I'm like, it's sad that this has to report it on his news. Yeah, I I don't like the loot box thing, really, especially the way Call of Duty's done it a couple times. I, I do like to see that they're moving farther away from the fact that you could basically buy things that would make you win, because that always sucked. Cosmetics... Um, are a whole different thing like if you just want to get it to get cosmetics it's that's cool and all that's up to you you're paying the money for things that don't really change gameplay and only your skill matters but you know there are those things where like uh i mean like look at uh csgo or counter-strike global offensive people don't know i mean things in that like none of that changes any of your ability in the game like it's all just skins, just cosmetic, but things in that game are worth thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> and that game's not too old, but I mean, it's pretty old at this point. And I don't know. I think that's where it all started. All the skins back then, like people saw that game and were like, oh my God, we can get so much money from this. But then again, they have a loot box system. So... I don't anticipate I don't seeing loot boxes go away anytime soon as long as they're still allowing publishers to profit off of the stuff. Yeah. I don't see the harm too much in just like cosmetics, but then again, it is still annoying to have, I guess. I, I did like it back when you could just basically, you could buy the skin. You have it. There's no random. You have that skin for sure. I'll That's happily yours. pay ten dollars for the actual skin I want instead of having to spend ten dollars for multiple random rolls. Yeah, like I'll pay ten, I'll pay ten dollars <laughs> for this skin instead of paying two dollars five times in order to try to get that skin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess I, it's how, it's how things build on upon each other, I guess. Yeah. That that whole article though that you were talking about that made me so mad because i'm like i felt like activision and play things were already doing that without patenting it so now that it is patented i hope they don't use it just because they're like well we basically have been using it and it doesn't it worked but people are mad about it and there <laughs> so was actually a, a follow-up patent that came out after the fact and this base this other patent while not quite as egregious kind of made it sound like they may add a way to add uh purchasable microtransactions in replays and kill cams oh wow so like if, was... if, like if you're watching like a replay or a kill cam and you're like oh that's a cool weapon and there's there'll be like a little prompt that you can click on that's like purchase loot crate now you know Jesus. it'll be tied to a credit card number it's like oh my god this is ridiculous they're gonna nickel yeah, and dime everybody especially for little kids and other people that don't understand how like credit cards and things work and how oh, easy it is to just be like press this and you bought it like yeah if like, you have oh, like well. if you have like a credit card number tied to your like xbox account for example and some kid is on there playing call of duty and he's just like i want that gun and that gun and that gun all those one click to buy things are just gonna head up really fast yeah one i guess that, that's just gonna make parents need to be more um 
like I don't know, like need to pay attention, I guess, more to what their kids are doing and what they're buying, and I mean, definitely like to be fair, they cards. they should be cautious all the time anyway. But yeah, I, I see your point. Yeah, I mean, I could easily see just the way my brothers are um, that that could get out of hand. I mean, just with me with my credit card, I'm like already buying things I shouldn't really easily because it's like, well, I don't see the money coming out of my hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, video games in general are general are like that now, just because you can buy basically anything online. <laughs> so at least the AAA games that, anyway. That's not a bad thing. That's a more a lot more convenient. I don't miss having to have a disc for everything. Although it saves space. I don't miss it. I mean, even when you do this the disc nowadays, you still have to like install fifty gigabytes of data just to play the stuff on the disc. At least. And I mean, that's where like I don't know, honestly like this is just my little thing, but I feel like that's where consoles are gonna start dying more and more because it's harder and harder to get more um approved like uh, storage for um, uh, consoles than it is for a computer. I guess it's getting easier now, especially with like um, PlayStation. I think you can just basically hook up a terabyte hard drive to it. Yeah. But still, <laughs> still, it's like that's like external and like you want it internal just so it doesn't get messed with and stuff. But don't worry, Michael. Yeah. I saw an article earlier today that said that a uh, Seagate anticipates that they'll be able to start selling 20 terabyte hard drives by 2019 <laughs> 20 terabytes i oh, what? <laughs> yeah, i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> that's a lot of storage you're gonna turn Jeez. any home computer into a server with that oh yeah <laughs> i can i can download like 10 games with that <laughs> at least 10 games <laughs> oh it says that it is it's it's, it's kind of true actually it's kind of true we're getting into the hundred plus gigabyte games now. Yeah, that's for sure. And like everyone who has like a really low like download rate just cries every time they want a new game and then have to download it because it takes hours and hours and hours. And you basically are like, if you don't preload the game, then you're screwed. I I remember I can't remember the last time I had a, an update for a game that was like less than a gigabyte. Seriously. Uh yeah they're all I mean, like, at least a gigabyte see, in space did you see the people who pre-ordered destiny 2 the physical copy what happened it there came with a cardboard disc with a uh, code on it to download it oh god <laughs> no, i didn't see that that's hilarious though all right uh just to get into pre-orders a little bit i don't know if any of you looked because you're not too interested in assassin's creed origins but <laughs> There is an edition of Assassin's Creed Origins that was $800. Was that the one that came with that statue? It came with like, yeah, like a, a I don't know how big the statue was. I, I thought it was like three feet, but I don't really, I'm not sure. That sounds big. I don't know. But yeah, $800 for, you get Assassin's Creed, you get all the other pre-order things, and then you get like a giant statue or something else i'm not sure exactly what you get but i saw it when i was pre-ordering it and i'm like that seems a little bit excessive i mean i'm gonna spend like eight hundred dollars on something but... i don't even know if i like yet yeah i mean that's that's always the problem with uh pre-ordering anything but or do i want <laughs> do i want a new computer or do i want one game uh tell me michael do you want assassin's creed statue or do you want a gtx 1080 to run every game at 4k um 
I don't know. It's a nice statue. You can get both and then run Assassin's Creed at 4K. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm just broke for years. I have to go take a loan out <laughs> just so I can get a computer. <laughs> you go to the bank, you're like, I want to buy an Assassin's Creed statue pre-order. <laughs> I just need an $800 loan. And they're like, what do you mean my loan seems to be declined? <laughs> Are you serious? Do you really want this? Do you know how much I like, need yes. this? I am an adult. Don't you understand? I can do these things. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's your money, and I want it now. <laughs> I'll pay you back eventually. <laughs> Just Possibly. give me a few years. <laughs> I'll venture get there. Trust me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, we went on a little bit of a tangent there. Got a little bit off topic, but it was it was it was good. We uh, we got we let our minds free. We got out there. Said we got to see. Said we got to say. So um, let's go ahead and move on from the loot boxes and. Talk about some other news that's been going on lately. Um, just to kind of go over it kind of generally, there was a Nintendo Direct on September 13th. They kind of just, um, Nintendo just kind of laid the framework of what to expect from the upcoming 3DS releases and Switch releases. Um, not a whole lot of super interesting stuff from you know, either one of those, but I think uh, the biggest thing that was mentioned that I do want to touch upon was that uh, Bethesda did confirmed that there would be a version of doom and wolfenstein 2 making its way to the switch which kind of just further supporting that there is definitely going to be a chance for these third-party developers and publishers to get some of their games onto the switch to try to show their support for it uh especially these two games in particular since these are both what i would say are the very hardcore mature kind of games that you really don't associate with nintendo consoles at all um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day where I can play Doom on my my Nintendo, uh, but here we are. Yeah, especially the mobile Nintendo, but it's happening. They are definitely going wide range with the Switch right now. Like they are doing, they are going towards a lot of like younger audiences with like uh, Splatoon and things, and then even like Rocket League, which is going to be a lot of fun on the Switch. Just take that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think it's awesome that they're going towards uh, their whole their mature level like fans now because I mean a lot of their fans from back in the day are now older and like playing mature games so they're definitely going to hit an audience for that I bet. Oh yeah, the the Switch has been on a roll lately. I saw someone um kind of do the the figures on it, and so far the Switch is actually on course to. Well, over the course of its first year, outsell the PlayStation in its first year. I mean, granted, there's like there's definitely like a like a four year gap there, but that's still pretty impressive numbers considering how good the PlayStation was doing at the first year. Yeah, and it's cheaper too, so that helps. That definitely does help. Uh, but yeah, so third party support seems to be going pretty good for the Switch there so far. Um, constantly, just new stuff coming out. I believe Doom is expected to be releasing here in the next three or four days later this week sometime on um, a game that we've been raving about Stardew Valley just came out on it as well so there's a good range of AAA and indie available for it now uh, but after that uh, that Nintendo Direct showcase uh, we went in a little ways and then um, the Tokyo Game Show happened and PlayStation had a conference there uh, a lot of it was mainly just like reshowing trailers that had already been previously released like a Call of Duty World War 2 trailer and they reshowed the Red Dead Redemption 2 trailer. So um, most of the new stuff was focused around kind of the Eastern developed titles. I mean, there's like a 
there's a new trailer for Shadow of the Colossus. There was a, I believe there was a new Earth Defense Force announced uh, coming out sometime next year. There's also a new Fist of the North Star game. So just kind of stuff like that. Uh, it, the uh, conference did end with a release date for the new Monster Hunter game and kind of surprised everyone when it said that it was going to be coming out in January of 2018. Definitely a lot sooner than a lot of people anticipated. I was expecting like maybe next summer at the earliest, so that was <laughs> a few months off, just to say the least. Uh, but then uh, another big conference happened when Sony took to the Paris Games Week and they announced some new stuff there. A lot more new stuff in general there. I think the biggest thing that came out of that show was actually the announcement of the new Sucker Punch developed game called Ghost of Toshima. Uh, for those that don't know, Sucker Punch, they are the developers of the Infamous series on PlayStation. And the announcement for this new game basically just kind of confirmed that it was going to still be another open world kind of uh, action-y RPG kind of game. But it's going to be set in feudal Japan. Now, it looks like there might potentially be some sort of like supernatural or some sort of sci-fi elements to it. It's not 100% sure how that's going to work yet, but... Uh yeah, open world samurai game. Does uh does that kind of interest either one of you two? Well, last time I was interested in a samurai game, I was let down. Other than Neo. <laughs> Other than Neo. <laughs> yeah, but I'm speaking of uh, For Honor, so we'll uh, just not talk about that. <laughs> we, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> let that be the last time we uh, mention uh, that. <laughs> I'd have to wait and see it before I take it up. I mean, I liked uh, Infamous, so I'd definitely take a look at it for sure. Yep, no, they got the pedigree. It's, it's kind of hard to tell for sure how the game's going to be because all we really saw was like a a cinematic trailer, and we only knew it was open world because later on in like an interview, they, they mentioned open world, how it's going to play out. We really don't know. Like the term open world can be taken in so many ways nowadays, I feel like, so it's kind of... Yeah, it's kind of like a wait and see how it, how it develops kind of thing. It's I think that's just like a sticker that they try to put on every game now, even though people don't understand the difference between open world and closed world. I guess not closed world. I don't know what to call it, but basically like open world and storyline driven, basically. Yeah. And uh, I don't think some game developers or uh, some reviews or even like some game companies know what that means anymore. The terminology <laughs> is all like, messed up. <laughs> yeah they say open world and then you're like oh so it's open world and you go into it and it's like so i basically have to follow this main quest and you gave me like two side quests this entire time that is not open world <laughs> we have options yeah. michael yeah two two options pick one <laughs> do you want this weapon or this weapon <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> um it's definitely an interesting premise and there's there's enough talent behind it where it could work out, but again, we're just gonna just gonna wait and see. Um, no release date announcement, so 2018 might be the earliest we see it, but definitely could be later on, like 2019 or something like that. Who knows? Jeez, that sounds so far away, and it's not <laughs> right. <laughs> what year is it again? I swear it was just 2015. <laughs> I still think 2015. I mean, I still think like. 2002 was only like a couple years ago and it was like 15 years ago <laughs> that moment when people mentioned 10 years ago and it's not 23 it's not 2003 
yeah, ten years ten years ago was two thousand seven. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Man, it's like I feel old now. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, other than that, though, they kind of just were kind of releasing the same what you expect of trailers. There was a like a new trailer for Star Wars Battlefront, which just like hey, it's coming out soon. Come pre-order it. Um, there was a story trailer for Marvel Spider-Man and a new trailer for Detroit Become Human. Uh, so kind of the expected stuff. Uh, but then they decided to close the show out by surprise dropping a new Last of Us 2 trailer. And mm. it did not feature Joel or Ellie. It was an entire cast of new characters. Oh, gosh. I haven't seen this trailer yet. You haven't seen this trailer yet. So I won't really spoil anything that happens in it. But um, these to say it did cause some controversy because... People were calling it out, saying that it was overly graphic. It was too violent. <laughs> Wait, what? What? Yeah, too violent. People, people us. were complaining that the Last of Us Two trailer was too violent and was didn't need to be done. It was just there for the the shock value, had actual substance to it, etc. People who say Last of Us is too violent don't need to be talking about The Last of Us or playing The Last of Us. They should just go away. You're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, um, after the show here, you'll have, you have to go watch it because it's, it's pretty intense. Like I didn't even know it was The Last of Us 2 trailer until the last five seconds where I'm like, oh my, whoa, I'm going to rewatch that now. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> that's what that was. It's pretty intense. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, I, I forgot to mention that even before the the show started, they had like a pre-show where they were announcing some new titles, and they actually did announce a sequel to Spelunky during the pre-show, which I think is somewhat of a big deal. I, th- I, I do believe Spelunky to this day is still a very popular uh, indie kind of game that people love to play. So mm-hmm. there's a sequel to that coming out shortly. I, they didn't really give it a date on that, but I'd imagine it's probably not too far out if they're already announcing it. Uh, then as far as some other news go, there's definitely quite a few things that happened, but if I went through them all, we'd be here all day. Uh, so kind of just to cut through some of the more interesting things that have been happening. Um, it is unfortunate that uh, I do have to say that EA has shut down Visceral Games and all the work that was being done on their current Star Wars project is changing focus. Um, being swapped over to a different internal EA team. Uh, so basically all of the team that was originally working on like the Dead Space series and uh, was they did Battlefield Hardline, uh, they're all gone. They're all going to be moved over to different different studios now. So the name that was Visceral is, is no more. That sucks. Were they working on anything important right now? Like what was that Star Wars thing they were working on? They were working on a... Uncharted inspired single player Star Wars game. Huh. They even had the um like main director from the first three Uncharted games at the studio helping them out with that. Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. So Do you remember like the thirty second clip they showed at EA I think Oh yeah, that trailer where so. it was uh, like the guy walking out of the cantina or whatever. Yeah, yep. that would have been cool. Dang. Yeah, exactly. Now it'll be an MMO probably. With they boxes. they said that they decided to change the focus on it because due to uh, what they have heard from focus groups about the project, they did not like the way it was going and have decided to swap it over to, instead of being a single player linear 
kind of title. It is now going to be a online multiplayer focused title with which is designed to keep people interested for long periods of time, have them keep coming back. Huh. And the way I took okay. that wording was Star Wars Destiny. Yeah. I'm like, uh, as much as I love Star Wars, I don't know if I'd have, have any interest in that whatsoever. So that's, that's unfortunate. Um, as a result of this announcement, though, it did spark a lot of discussion about people saying there's there's definitely a chance that like single player games are dead there's no more of a market for it according to ea but i i don't think those have any merit i think there's definitely still you know definitely room for for single player games but i definitely do believe you know the days of like large expensive single player titles from ea and activision are probably done but you will still be able to find them from smaller publishers and indie devs no problem (laughs) kind of sad Twenty seven. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know why, but it seems like these Star Wars games are having a hard time actually becoming a reality. Like they they get stuck in development hell for so long that people just forget about them or they get canceled. Yeah, yeah. I think they worry too much about um, upsetting fans. Yeah. Well, I think they spent a lot of time on visuals and not enough on gameplay. Yeah. You mean Battlefield One? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> not wrong there. Not wrong there. That was what Battlefront Battlefront and Battlefront 2 were all about like That's what I meant Battlefront 1. Uh I don't yeah. Battlefront the newest Battlefront that's coming out is better about gameplay now. Like I heard it's a lot better, so it, it looks is. a lot better. Um still it's, it's got its much. issues, but it's definitely a bit more playable than the first. Uh-huh. I feel like they just force it too much. Like the old games, it, they just set a bare bones game, and then you made what you wanted it out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's EA in general, though. They do force. Now they're like forcing a narrative to the multiplayer part. Yeah, it's not working. EA just forces things at you. They're like, "Hey, look, new game, new new game. You you need this new game, don't you? You need it. Buy it from yeah. us." But then again, I feel like. You could do ten thousand Star Wars games, and they'll only like like two of them. So, yeah, something like that. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. Oh well, <laughs> maybe someday EA will no longer have the Star Wars title to, exclusive to them, and we can get other people building off of the property. But it may be a while because money definitely talks when you're trying to deal with Disney there. Um. Just this past weekend, BlizzCon rolled around, and we got some interesting tidbits from Blizzard there. Um, probably one of the biggest announcements that are going to have a lot of people excited was that Blizzard announced a World of Warcraft Classic Edition. Uh, so essentially, if you just want to be able to play on official vanilla World of Warcraft servers, that's going to become a possibility in the future. They did not take any. They didn't announce uh, a date or any specifics on what to expect from it, but. All I know is, you know, it'll be like all the same content minus the expansions. I was just going to say they're taking a book out of a, I mean, taking a page out of uh, RuneScape's book. Yep. A lot of MMOs have been doing that too. Uh, RuneScape has their classic edition. And then I think uh, even EverQuest has like a classic edition, classic servers where you go back to like the very beginning before there was expansions and just kind of play how it was in the game when the game first came out. 
Yeah, I've heard a lot of us streamers um, on Twitch have been going back and playing Vanilla WoW. And I mean, it's just a nostalgia thing. A lot of people like that. They want to play back like they did when they were a little kid. So. Vanilla WoW was a huge deal back in the day, so I can kind of see that. Mm-hmm. It's never really my cup of tea, but right on for those that do look forward to it. Uh, and another thing that Blizzard announced was that StarCraft II would be going free-to-play within the next week or two. Uh, it's going you're, By uh, just downloading the free version of the game, you'll have access to the entire first campaign, Wings of Liberty. You'll get access to all the current multiplayer components, including like ranked and all the new units from the expansions and all that. And of course, all the arcade components that have already been available for free players. Uh, so if you were ever thinking of jumping into StarCraft 2, you have a perfect opportunity to do that here in the next week or two when it goes free to play because you'll have access to pretty much everything. Uh, and then uh, another sad bit of news with another game developer being shut down. This time it was a Runic Games, who are probably most well-known for their Torchlight series. Uh, I think they had another game that came out too recently, but I can't remember the name of it. But a um, bit of a risky move, a couple of risky titles, and they just couldn't hold their head above water. And unfortunately, they had to get shut down here. Uh, big news in the computer components field where uh, Intel and AMD have announced that they are partnering up for a new series of processors. I have not had a chance to really look into that too much just yet. Just kind of read the headline. Uh, Noah, I know you've been looking into a little bit there. Are there any uh, details about that that we should be looking forward to seeing developed? Uh, it sounded like they're focusing on laptop hardware for the most part to try and cut in on NVIDIA's share in GPUs for mobile gaming, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Okay. A little bit of competition goes a long way. It should it definitely benefits everyone in the long run. So it's nice to see that coming to fruition. Uh, and then the last bit of news here I'm going to bring up is that uh, from an interview earlier today with, um, I believe it was Phil Spencer from Microsoft, he said that the company is planning on switching their focus away from hardware and focusing more on software. And he also mentioned that there is a potential to see more of their uh, games or their software being brought over to other systems. Now, I heard some people kind of brought out, say, oh, this means that Xbox games are going to be coming to PlayStation now. I don't think that's necessarily true, at least not for a while, but you'll definitely be able to see more like Microsoft funded projects available on non Microsoft systems. Yeah. As far as what that's actually going to mean in the future, eh, we, we may never know. It may, it may be a while before we find out. <laughs> I don't think it means you're going to be able to have halo on your switch, but maybe, maybe down the line, some other franchises could, that could become a possibility. Who knows? Yeah. Um, before we switch over from news, <laughs> I do want to just I do want to just point something out that made me laugh yes. because I th- I think it's hilarious. Um, Over- Overwatch development slowed because of toxic community. Yes, that was an actual thing that happened a little while ago. <laughs> the, the actual title of an article, and I find that hilarious because I'm just like, 
I don't play Overwatch too much, but I know that their community and a lot of online communities, to be honest, are just horrible and so toxic. And it's just funny for <laughs> to me to see that even Blizzard is having problems. Like they actually have to slow things down and like put in a report system and ban so many people because people are being so shitty on Overwatch. And I don't know. It just makes me laugh because I always, I'm always. I, I do. I always have to deal with the toxic players, you know, the ones that are yelling and being all shitty and all that. And I know for sure, like I've seen a lot of videos on uh, Overwatch on people just being toxic because you're not playing the right character, you're not playing the character right, you're not doing this or this and this. Uh, and, Genji switch, please. Yeah, basically it was <laughs> that <laughs> stuff like that. And I don't know. It just made me laugh. Um, yeah, so the actual quote from uh, Jeff Clapton here, the community manager of Overwatch, he said, we've been put in a weird position where we're spending tremendous amount of time and resources punishing people and trying to make people behave better. Uh, I wish we could take the time we put into putting uh, putting reports on console, have them put towards a match history system or a replay system instead. It was the exact same people who had to work on both who got rerouted to work on the other. So yeah, he's basically just saying that work within the uh, development team has been shifted around to developing systems to punish players rather than just focusing on introducing new actual features that people uh, that most people have been wanting. Because if they, you know they don't handle the toxicity, you're just going to drive your entire player base away anyway. So it's uh it's it's, it's makes me sad to see this because I yeah, there's so many games nowadays that just have issues with toxicity. And it's like, come on, people, can't you just be nice to each other? Why do you got to be like that? Yeah, you're, I mean... You're actually ruining although, the games. Yeah, definitely. Like, ruins all the... Like, you don't want to play it anymore because you're like, these people are, are going to be so shitty. And unless I take the like the opportunity to mute them or block the communication, I'm just going to be like, I have to read that or I have to hear that the whole time unless I go do something and I don't feel like it should be that way. But... uh then again, Overwatch, I mean, Blizzard thought Overwatch, and it did become that, to where it was going to be, like, a big, like, you know, like, major league gaming type game, and it did sort of become that. I mean, they've had those types of competitions, so if they were thinking it was going to be this popular, why didn't they come up with things like that before they released the game, because... They they already knew, I guarantee, with the other games Blizzard has, they already knew online communities can be toxic. So they should have put that in there before releasing the game so they don't have to do this backwards. I thought maybe they're just thinking that most since they hadn't really jumped into too many paid multiplayer games yet. Well, I guess that's a lie. They have done quite a few of those. It's probably not as much of an issue with their other titles, although I haven't been a very dedicated StarCraft player for a while. I can say that's definitely not the case. There's definitely a lot of toxicity in their other titles, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they could have just done their research and been like, look at League of Legends, look at Dota, look at... I don't know, I don't play Dota, so I can't say for sure. Well, to be but, fair, those are all free-to-play games, so there's definitely a lot, a lot lower barrier of entry for toxic players there. Call of Duty. Well, that's, that's Call of Duty for you. <laughs> that's just Call of Duty in general. But, yeah. I mean, it's it's not all on Blizzard. It's on people for being shitty. But I mean, yep. No matter where you're at, on the internet, there will be a shitty person there. 
no matter no matter that's, what. That's just how it works. <laughs> yeah, unless you're on Co Carnage's Twitch channel, then everyone's nice. Besides, I mean, they're there. Uh, they're just getting banned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they make a new account and they come back. So. <laughs> Oh well, uh, yeah. So, was there any other anything else else you want to mention before we jumped into game discussions? I don't think so. No, not that I can think of. All right. So, moving on, uh, let's let's talk some esports real quick here. Um, a couple of big things have happened recently. Um, probably the biggest one to mention is that the League of Legends World Championships have wrapped up, and spoiler alert. South Korea retains its title as the best region. Different team, though. It is a different team. But uh, so if you're really into that, you can go and watch those games. They should be available on the official Riot channels. Uh, have, what have you guys? What did you guys think of the whole competition from start to finish? Here, did, did it live up to expectations? Was were the games exciting? Do you think the current format is working as intended, or are any suggestions for changes in the future? Um, League of Legends is a ever-changing thing. I don't think it'll ever stop changing. They're never going to be completely finished with that game, ever. Um, I thought the games were pretty exciting. And once you understand them, they can be more exciting, I guess. Uh, watching your favorite players as you, like, you know, grow with them is pretty cool. Um, it, everything went sort of as expected the uh well the wildcard teams are getting better and better which is cool to see um the american teams are making it a little farther same with the european teams um it's a little bit more of an even playing <laughs> not, field yeah we're not getting we're not getting too far into it just because the chinese teams and the korean teams are getting are doing pretty well so but it's not as much as much as i would love to see an american team win like having a having a South Korean team that is just amazing at this game. Watch them play is really uh, is pretty cool too. But having SKT actually taken down finally is that was that was awesome to see. And they actually got they got three would which was oh something. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone predicted that that Samsung Galaxy was going to three o SKT with like and. I, I'm like, they, and sorry, Samsung Galaxy was actually down in the last two two games. I think the game two and game three, they were down in gold and everything, and came back on the comeback kings. Like, because <clears throat> SKT always comes back, you know. Yeah, that's impressive. And it, yeah, it was crazy. But other than that, I I don't know. It's always fun to watch. That's for sure. And uh, I mean, seeing it, it was really cool that um, in, I don't remember what city it was in China, but it was in China and they actually held it in a stadium where the Olympics were held, oh. which was really cool. Well, yeah. Um, uh, some Chinese, I think, or might've been a Korean um, streamer who's pretty big over there. And he also does some uh, broadcasting for their like professional gaming out there. Uh, said uh, that I mean it shows a lot of like history in that place and it's really cool that now we can take esports to a place that did normal sports mm -hmm. we're trying to connect connect those two worlds and yeah it was pretty cool right on and uh, with the upcoming preseason changes I'm going to League of Legends here uh, how do you anticipate that the competitive 
aspect of it will change for the next season? Um, I think it'll probably stay stay level, if not get a little bit more. I don't I don't know if league is really growing much anymore. I don't know if it's plateaued or not. Um, it's always changing. So like the meta always changes, but I don't know if it's actually getting like increased like player count or even more like I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into it since we started playing a long time ago. So fair enough. Yeah, it's still it's still pretty massive. I I, I did hear that uh sometime during the finals there was that there was definitely at least over one million concurrent viewers at one time. I don't doubt that. Yeah, there are a ton of people love watching that. Pretty massive. Especially, yeah, I like, I even, just looking at the stands, when they, like, you know, did the pan around scene so you could see everyone, crazy, because they, like, either, they either, I'm pretty sure they almost filled that stadium, and it was huge. All right. Well, that about wraps up the League of Legends discussions, unless uh, you had anything else you wanted to add on to that. I don't think so. The AR dragon. The AR dragon, <laughs> yes. <laughs> More AR, please. It kind of reminds me uh, a little while ago when the, the HTC Vive was first coming into development and uh, Valve was like showcasing some of the tech they had been working with. And like one of the things they had was like using uh, the AR goggles to like spectate Dota matches where you could like actually like get like face down into like the map and you're like looking around the map and seeing everything play out in real time in front of you in the VR. I don't know whatever happened to that tech, but that would have been cool to see become a little bit more mainstream. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of. Uh, uh, they did uh, some hol- hologram, hol- hologram, whatever. Yeah. No. Yeah, Aug- those things. Augmented reality. Yeah. Well. Now, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the how you would describe it, but. <laughs> yeah, they had like some champions sitting on the uh, stage. Um, I don't know if that was for the finals, but that was for one of them. Like they were like hol- holographic champions. I think there was like Aurelian Soul and like two other ones. Interesting. All right. Well, moving on from the League of Legends World Championships, uh, BlizzCon, like we mentioned earlier, did happen this past weekend, and there was a couple of uh, finals they hosted there. I think they had the. World of Warcraft finals, StarCraft II, WCS finals, and the uh, Heroes of the Storm finals. Uh, and spoiler alert, at least for StarCraft II and Heart of the Swarm, not Heart of the Swarm, uh, Heroes of the Storm, uh, South Korean teams and players took home the championships for those as well. <laughs> so they just kind of did a clean sweep this weekend, I guess. <laughs> did, did you say World of Warcraft? Uh, Yes, World of Warcraft Arena PvP. Oh, I did not know that was a thing. But then again, that's not really my area. I never played World WoW so much. I just hear about it every once in a while, but I've never really taken the time to watch it to know what the heck is going on. I'm just like, yeah, oh, that's a thing. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know Arena PvP for WoW was a thing. Like a like a like a world thing. Like. MLG thing and MMO esports. Just, <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's just as a surprise as uh, Madden, but whatever. <laughs> it's like anything of the esports now, even soccer and Destiny. 
Um, I'm kidding, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Not everything can be an eSport, even though they try. (laughs) Well, moving on from uh, the eSports there, um, let's get into some actual games that we've been playing as of late. Uh, Since it's almost been two months since we did an episode, we have quite a few things to talk about here. Uh, I think probably the, the hot one that a lot of people may be familiar with right now is uh Fortnite's battle royale mode that kind of came out and obviously a lot of people are going to compare it to battlegrounds uh but the big difference between for Fortnite though is it's completely free to play and it's available on multiple systems including playstation and i believe it's supposed to be coming to xbox soon but i don't know if that's happened yet or not i don't think it has it's at least PC and uh, PlayStation for now. Um, but yeah, what do you guys feel about Fortnite? Does it scratch an itch you've been missing? Does it, does it satisfy you? Like, what are your thoughts on how that's been going? Um, well, I originally was interested in Fortnite because of their <laughs> survival mode. Yeah, we, we kind of came in and hijacked it from you, so I apologize about that. Um, but... <laughs> Overall, it's like a nice lighter version of Battlegrounds that's less intensive. That's true. Yeah. Like if it's if you're feeling bogged down by Battlegrounds, you can just hop in and play probably three rounds of Fortnite before you get one game of Battlegrounds in. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the best way of describing it. It's it's like a battle royale light. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's fun. They got some, uh, you know, um, finalizing, I guess, to do on a lot of things. But it's definitely less serious, and you can not be as I don't know. It's it's definitely a little bit more relaxed. Like in yeah. in I don't know for you. This is probably just my opinion, but in Fortnite, I feel like I can just kind of like spawn into the game to kind of just run around and it's it's whatever like battlegrounds i'm like i get all super serious i'm like okay we got to go here gotta gotta strategically look out for other people landing just gotta, just gotta go here uh hide in this house wait for the cover of the the noise to give give let's move it's like Fortnite, you just like eh, i got a shotgun i'm just gonna run around it's fine yeah yeah that's for sure and i like that about it so hopefully it gets better um so far the developers have been pretty pretty on point with it so far consistently updating it what it feels like it's every week it's probably been like every other week or so uh, a lot of improvements have been coming to it over the past two months or so uh and i do i think they maybe let me just double check this really quick so i don't say the wrong information but i think i saw that they had announced that they had like passed 20 million players in it so far or something like that oh wow let me double check Fortnite game on Twitter. Yes, they did say earlier today that they had passed 20 million players across all of their systems since the launch. Wow. That's pretty ridiculous. That's a lot of people playing it. Yeah, that's for sure. I guess free to play really helps. Free to play definitely helps a lot. Uh, and yes, it is actually available on Xbox one as well as Mac. Apparently I didn't know there was a Mac version. Wait, people play games on Mac? What Sorry. Else, what is he going to do with a MacBook? <laughs> it's the best gaming PC. <laughs> Wait. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you can make that joke. <laughs> Sorry. I guess you could do like an external GPU dock. 
<laughs> it's called wine. <laughs> That's optimized. <laughs> yeah, totally. Anyways, um, yeah. So like, kind of, it is a little unfortunate that the the battle royale aspect of Fortnite has kind of taken over as like the primary component of the game now. If they eventually do release the uh, the survival aspect of it for free to play, I'm definitely actually more interested in that than I am for the battle royale aspect. Because to me, it definitely feels more. It, it definitely feels the game is more geared towards the survival and building aspect rather than the actual like PvP aspect of it. Something just feels a little bit off about it. Am I am I alone in that in that feeling? Um, no, like. I, I definitely thought it was going to be a lot more fun as a survival thing. I'm not going to pay, I don't think I'd pay 40 bucks for it right now, but um, I, the single player elements of the, of the multiplayer, which sounds weird, but uh, definitely are very strong and like a good core to it. And I think the single player is going to be a lot of fun once it comes out for free to play, once they're done developing. Right. So I definitely play that probably more than the multiplayer or like maybe just about as much like play the multiplayer. And then when you get tired of multiplayer, go to the single player. All right. Yeah. Anything else to add on to the Fortnite discussions? All right, moving on. Um, I've been having a little bit of a bit of a fun stroll through the Wolfenstein series late as of late. Um, I have not gone all the way back to the beginning, but I've been playing from like the 2014 reboot up to this brand new one that actually just came out like a week ago. Um, those being Wolfenstein, the new order and then Wolfenstein, the old blood, which was like a standalone expansion for the first one. And then the brand new one, which was Wolfenstein two of the new Colossus. Um, for those that are unfamiliar with the Wolfenstein series, let me just kind of briefly summarize it. It's, uh, basically the granddaddy of modern first person shooters. Like ever since the, the very first one back in the early nineties, that that's been the template for first person shooters. Like even before doom, uh, kind of, it's kind of like a mix between run and gun action and stealth segments. Surprisingly, like it's a weird combination, but it works. Um, but the thing I liked about this new series of Wolfenstein games is that not only do they balance those two components pretty well, but in between they have this whole Nazi regime that is kind of like an alternate take in history where the Nazis actually won World War II. And then you're just kind of seeing how modern times develop from there. Um, so most of the series takes place in the 1960s after the world war two was a failure for the, the allied allied units. And basically it, it's really interesting to see like their take on how Nazi technology developed from there and just kind of how it influenced other aspects of the world. Like, for for being like a very action focused first person shooter, there is a surprising amount of detail and character and story to all of this. Like it really surprised me at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like when it gets down to it, all I gotta say is as far as the, the the three games go, if you just want a really good single player focused first person shooter of good mechanics, 
definitely look into these new games. Um, as far as like what my individual feelings on them all were, I th- actually feel like I liked Wolfenstein the New Order best. That for me had like the best all around balance of mechanics and story and all that. Um, there is the the Old Blood expansion, which I found to be a little jarring. Um, it starts off good enough, but then like you realize partway through the game that it focuses on stealth way more than it should, since the stealth mechanics just don't really support what it wants you to do. Especially when you get near the end of the game and it's like setting you up for stealth segments, but then you realize that you can't actually stealthily take down people because as soon as you try to kill them, they actually just like transform into some other stuff that instantly knows where you're at. It's kind of a, it's kind of a long story, but like ha- halfway through the game, instead of just going through and shooting Nazis, they they introduce a new enemy type, and it's just completely it just completely comes out of nowhere with like no explanation, and it's just really weird. So I didn't like the expansion as much as the base game, but um, last week we did get the uh, the, the sequel, Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus, and uh, let me just say without without any spoilers that. It is a ridiculous ride. Like it, it's only a few hours long, but if you're looking for just a story that definitely does breaks new ground with a lot of aspects, it, that is what that is for you there. Um, I they surprisingly inject a lot of character into the the main protagonist B.J. Blazkowicz. Um, <laughs> like from the opening moments of the game, you're just like, oh god, this is oh. This is what the game is all about. Like, it, it opens up and it's like, oh, there's all these like memories of an abusive father, father, uh, the loss of your pet, and then the game just like escalates from there. And throughout the whole rest of the game, there's all these emotions you're feeling while you're in the process of uh, shooting Nazis and stealthily going through submarines and eventually going up to Venus, like the actual planet of Venus. Um, okay. Actually, I, I can actually spoil this one part because it was in a trailer. It was in a trailer, but there's this one part of the game where uh, you pretend to be an actor that is supposed to be playing your character. So you're BJ Blazkowicz playing an actor who is acting as BJ Blazkowicz, and you have to audition for the role of a movie that is being produced and directed by Hitler. Oh, <laughs> the actual Hitler. So it's just a weird crazy series of events but then like that's not even the craziest thing that happens in the, in the whole game it's like what the heck is going on um i am a little saddened to say that despite how like much better the writing and character of the new colossus is compared to the new order i found the gameplay to be a little bit more disjointed like they definitely don't balance stealth and action as much as the first one did in my opinion in fact to the point like sometimes stealth doesn't even work in the second game even when it puts you explicitly in the part that's like, this is a stealth segment. Here's your signal level. And you try to go around stealthily killing people and it's like, it's not working. And I can't even sneak by him because there's like parts where it's impossible to get through without being noticed. But like, sometimes you just have to suck it up and be like, oh, I'm just going to pull out dual wheel shotguns and go, go ham. You just have to kind of accept it. Um, so if you play the new Colossus a little bit more like Doom, you'll probably get a little bit more enjoyment out of it than I did at first. But I will say this is definitely a game that is like is worth buying, but I might suggest waiting for like a sale or if you can get it or like borrow it from someone. I I probably wouldn't run out and get it for $60, but if you can get it for a little bit of a discount, then it's definitely worth it. 
and it's probably one of the more uh, unique games I've played this year. Um, I, I don't really want to go too much more in depth about it. Uh, it is completely single player. There's no multiplayer component or anything to it. It's uh, entirely about the story. So it'll probably take you around uh, probably just under 10 hours to get through the main story of the new Colossus. I mean, there is, there are side missions, but I never really felt the need to go do those. At least not, at least not yet. If you're only focusing on the story, you'll, you'll probably take about nine or 10 hours. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the Wolfenstein series. This is the first time I've really been introduced to it, and it was it was a hell of a ride. I'm very very happy I did. Uh, for those that have not jumped into it yet, do yourself a favor and go get Wolfenstein: The New Order. You can probably pick it up for like dirt cheap, like ten dollars or less, and it is a blast of a few hours. Let me let me just say, you will have a good time. Trust me. Unless you don't like shooters, then I don't know what to tell you. It's not your cup of tea. Um, speaking of other shooters, though, we did also get the beta for Star Wars Battlefront 2 that was on PC and on PlayStation. It's open to everybody there. Uh, did did all three of us get a chance to jump in and play a little bit of Battlefront 2? Yep, I did. I, di- I didn't play it. You didn't play it? Okay. Uh, so, no. Noah, what, how did you uh, enjoy the, the game? Did it... Did you play the first one? And uh, if you if you did play the first one, how did it compare to your experience of that? Okay, so I actually played it both on my PC and my Xbox. Mm-hmm. Um, so my computer run through, I was pretty bad at it because I don't play a lot of first person shooters on my computer. Right. So I was having a rough time getting into it. So I downloaded it on my Xbox and I had a much better time on that just because I was, you know, a little bit better at playing it. Um, I mean, the game played well. Like they're, you know, on par with their betas where they're usually 75, 80% polished. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I didn't like is the map design for that map was really weird because they had like this column in the middle. Where like they had the ship that slowly moved up and like it basically kept one team from going in the middle of the map. They kept all the fighting on these like side parts. Yeah. Which is like it just felt really weird. I don't know. I don't know if you remember Rush at all back in Battle Battle from Battle Battlefield days. Uh, I remember Rush from Battle uh, Battlefield Bad Company Two pretty fondly. Where they had the two objectives. Yep. And like you could push it and push it and push it. It's the same idea. They just changed the two spots to like maybe a, a an objective like shoot the tank or something like that. Yeah. Or protect these missile launchers or something like that. I just don't think that works well for Battlefront. No, not at all. Like I, like I said earlier, I think they just need to do bare bones you know, gameplay, throw a whole bunch of people on there and let it do its own thing. <laughs> it's Star Wars. It carries itself just fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had, to, I had a chance to go through and play a couple of the different game modes, and I was I was kind of finding a similar experience to yours at first with uh, the assault map, the big one. 
that yeah. that first stage definitely is really weird because it's like all right we're just like slowly walking through the streets you know and there's like an alleyway here and an alleyway there and that's really the only time you can kind of get into any combat because everything else you're just kind of like walking down the open street just kind of waiting for gunfire to start coming by but like it never really does surprisingly it's just like well we're just kind of walking here uh and then once you get to the second half of the map where it's all indoors it's just just a big cluster of grenade spam and hero spamming like people of lightsabers flying over the place so it gets to be really chaotic once you get to that point uh but i do think it actually plays a little bit better once you get to that point this game definitely fits more into a just go all like crazy spam explosives and kind of thing rather than trying to be a slower paced tactical objective kind of game. Um, but the, the other stuff I, I did try, there was the one game mode where um, like you had to go into the cantina, whatever, and um, collect the item and then take it out to the objective. I forget what they were calling it, but it was like a smaller scale one with no vehicles. That one, while I liked the game mode, I found the map to be very poor. Like, I really didn't like the indoor interior of that map, but all the outdoor stuff was fine. Um, so <laughs> it was, like, the complete opposite of that first game map. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you happen to get uh, have any chance of doing the, the space combat? No, I'm really bad at flying ships. Okay. So. Yeah, I was having a hard time of controlling the ships Everyone said that the controls for the flying was much better than the first Battlefront, but I'm like, I, I wouldn't really know because I played the, the beta for the first Battlefront, and then I was just like, I'm going to skip this. As much as I like Star Wars, I'm just not into this. Uh, but overall, I would I would say I, I liked what I played with Battlefront 2 more than Battlefront 1. Um, I do like... I guess the biggest thing I liked as an as improvement was the way they managed the classes... Um, yeah, instead of was, that felt like like the classes old. actually feel more structured now and um the the stuff you can unlock like uh the uh, the rewards for heroes or new elite classes those feel a lot better because instead of just finding them randomly in the map now you have to actually earn them through uh your score like your performance actually matters for trying to get those faster yeah, that one felt like I was playing the original. I was like, wow, this actually turned out pretty well. Yeah. That aspect of it. Overall, I would say it's it's a much better improvement on the formula than the first Battlefront. There's definitely issues there. Um, it's not going to be a flawless, flawless game, but I, I definitely feel like if you're into Star Wars, you'll probably find plenty of fun with Battlefront 2. At least I do. Yeah, I think it's an improvement. They just need to polish map design and then sort out vehicles. Yeah, that that sounds like a pretty fair assessment. Uh, plus, you know, the fact that it's going to, upon launch, it's going to have a, a single-player campaign. Even though it may only be like four or five hours long, there is an option to play it now rather than just being like forced to do the weird horde encounters from the first one. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, such a waste of space in the first game. It's like, why is this even here? Who designed this? Um, and as far as other things I've been participating in, I finally did get back around to playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, I kind of put that on hold for a couple months, but I'm back at it now. Um, 
I'm only only about halfway through the game, so I can't really speak about how it goes later on. But I think I think it's fine. It's it's a pretty good game. Uh, the the op- the large open worldness of it is pretty well done. Uh, I liked the visual design. All the enemies are actually really cool. Uh, even like even if you're up against like an enemy human, it that's fine. Like their design's pretty cool. They got the tribal aesthetic, so it's kind of exciting. Um. Other than that, though, like, just kind of, like, going through, I'm like, yep, this is fine. You know, like, the story has some interesting moments here and there. Um, Just kind of waiting to see how it plays out. The side quests are kind of boring and forgettable, so that that's a little unfortunate. I don't know if it gets better later on, but the, the quests I've been doing so far have just been, you know, go here, get this thing, and then come back, and then get XP reward. So, pretty run-of-the-mill, I guess you could say. Um... I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like I'm also having a little bit of issues with the combat. Like sometimes, even though I just went out and bought like a whole bunch of new gear and new, you know, like I got new gear, got some modifications put into it. Like I'm all tricked out. I should be anyway. And then like I go up to an enemy, like an enemy robot dinosaur, and I'm still just trying to take them out. And I still feel like I'm just not really being effective. Like I'm not really doing what I should be doing. I still feel like there's something I'm missing here. Like are I, you hitting them? Like I know they go for the, the weak right spot. Like I know they go for the weak points. So you know, like I'll do that. I'll do the focus. I'm like, okay, aim for the glowing weak point. I'll hit it. I see them doing more damage than normal, but it still feels like I'm not really hurting it. Like it's a bullet sponge almost. Yeah, you need to like uh with the big thing with the big guys, you need to like freeze them uh with uh with your slingshot. You can, uh, if you have that yet, you can. I should go get like, a slingshot. Yeah, you can sling, um, frozen, like, I don't know, like grenade type things, I guess. One thing I, one thing I do have are, is the, uh, I got the, like the bigger bow, the sharpshooter bow. And so yeah. I have the terror blast arrows for them. So what I can do is I can hit an enemy with that and it like blows off all their armor. Yeah, that's pretty good. I've been um, doing that, but I'm but still just like, ah, it's, it, the, the, the freezing thing like triples your damage. Does it really? And if you use if you use the um the bow uh, or the arrows that are like armor piercing, like I didn't go for damage or like fire or anything on my any of my bows. You go straight for like armor piercing basically. And if you freeze them, you basically take off any piece of armor in one hit. Hmm. And then you can immediately go for like the weak points, and you deal like double, maybe triple damage while they're frozen. So, I'll have to look into getting that slingshot then. It still takes a lot of arrows, but I mean, this is like I'm talking about like the T Rexes. Like it takes yeah. it's a it's a T Rex. So you have to kill it with arrows. It's gonna take a lot of arrows. I mean, yeah, like uh, the the small watchers or the deer like things. Those aren't too bad, but it's like as soon as I start going up to the bigger stuff like the crabs or the yeah. the birds, I'm like, oh my god, I'm just dreading this because it takes so long to kill them. Yeah, definitely go for um, all of the uh, basically armor piercing runes or whatever. I guess you put in your weapons. Go for armor piercing for your bows, like the ones that you use a lot. So that's what I did. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into that. Like I'm having, I'm overall, I'm having a pretty good time. I just feel like, oh man, there must be something I'm missing here. Like maybe not everything has clicked just yet. Like it, it took a little bit of build up. Like at first, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm liking this, but other parts of it started to click for me so maybe the combat will t- shortly yeah and i definitely recommend going after that uh that special armor you know that's locked away or whatever 
Uh, have you seen that yet? I have not seen this yet. I'll have to go look around for it. Oh, well, I found it very early in the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just me, though. I, I search for things that I shouldn't find early. Um, but, yeah, you unlock it by getting certain things from, like, old temples and dungeons. Not was, really dungeons. That, that was but, another like, thing, too. Like, I, I bought a whole new set of armor, and I I've outfitted it with some pretty good runes and stuff. And then, like, I go into combat, I'm like, man, I'm still taking, like, the exact same amount of damage as I was before. <laughs> I know, yeah. like, you can't cover all of the different elements and all of the different kind of uh, melee or projectile types, so it's just like, how, it's just like was, I, was this a wasted investment? Because it's not really helping me right now. No, you really got to get good at either dodging or, I don't know. <laughs> it, it was hard. It wasn't... I, I tried. It was a pretty hard, <laughs> yeah. There... But yeah, they, there's a special set of armor that's like, um, it actually has, like, a shield almost where you take a bunch of damage it actually doesn't do any damage to you for a while and then when that shield finally breaks then you start getting damage dealt to you ah, it's pretty awesome that's exactly what i need right now <laughs> but you don't get it till late game so like you the last unlockable thing you have to do a couple story missions before you could actually get to there probably more farther down from where you are but well, I'm about halfway yeah. through it, so maybe I'm not too far away. If I if I focus on the story, I could probably get through it pretty quickly. Probably, yeah. Probably. But yeah, that's just kind of like my my impressions of it so far. Um, I probably won't be reporting back on it for the next episode, but we'll see. We'll see. It may come back up again in the future. Who knows? Um, yeah. But other than that, the uh, only other thing I've been playing lately has been Destiny Two. As have like most people on the planet Earth, I feel like. <laughs> Destiny, yeah, it's pretty popular. It's a pretty popular game, I hear. Um, but I, I think uh, I've been going that pretty hard. Like it's been my my grinding game. Uh, so if I'm just in here trying to watch a movie or watch something on YouTube, I actually just put that on one monitor and then like on my main monitor, I actually throw up Destiny and I just grind some events. Um. I've actually managed to get two characters up to the end game point where like you're outfitted with just about the best gear you can really get for your level. And like you, you have a high enough power level for uh, the strikes and the raids. Um, but unfortunately, once you get to that point, I don't really feel any need to play anymore. I'm, I kind of just get on maybe once a week for a daily ch challenge or two and that's it. And, yeah. Like, I definitely see what people mean, like where the end game content just really isn't there because there's not really enough motivation to do it. It's it's what the it's the same problem Destiny One ran into. Uh, once you get to this point, it's there's not much to do, especially now they only have one of the big raids out. Um, I don't know how many more they have planned that are free and not DLC. Um, well, they have a new DLC coming out like the first week of December, so... Yeah. Uh, DLC in Destiny is definitely like the most important thing for Endgame because uh, I think I'm pretty sure almost 100% sure that though in Destiny 1 the, all the DLCs were um, pointed towards people who are already 20, level 20 or the max rank and are trying to get just higher and higher in light or power rank and it just adds a lot more thing for you to do end game which is awesome yep. it's just i feel like they should have more of that already in the game but i will say though oh, well. um 
Bungie is very good at utilizing very little content over a wide space. Yeah. I, I'll give him credit for that. I've been killing the exact same enemies for probably around 40 hours. I'm not really tired of that part of it, but I'm just like, maybe I'm a little tired of going to the same places to kill those same enemies, you know? Yeah. Like, even the bosses and being all copy and pasted versions of smaller enemies hasn't really bothered me yet. Yeah, it's, it's, they, they refined the problems from, uh, Destiny 1. It's just the <laughs> end game content needs to be there. And unfortunately, it's probably going to be there in the forms of paid DLC, but that's, you know, whatever. We that's, probably, everyone saw model. that coming in. Yeah. That, yeah. So, <laughs> I I mean I guarantee to play DLC is probably gonna be a lot of fun, probably. But uh, it's gonna be expensive, and you basically have to pay for a whole other game just to finish this game that you want to play. Well, but they got a season pass. <laughs> yeah, it's just gonna yeah. add a bunch of endgame content. Like it's gonna add, um, like more raids, more strikes, just more things to do once you are twenty, and. I guess that'll get a lot more people to play, but honestly, like people like me, I guess, are going to be like, they're going to play it, they're going to go through all the strikes and all the raids once and be like, well, I didn't get the best gear, but I don't really feel like going through and doing all this again to try to get better ones. I know oh, there's yeah. a lot of people that like, that like that, but I only like that sometimes, and I can, I can only do those same things so many times and then to actually want to do it again. I mean... If the multiplayer was better, maybe I'd stay and play the game more, but I don't really like the multiplayer too much. Yeah, I'm not worried about trying to fine-tune my gear to being absolutely 100% perfect for my character. I'm just like, oh, I got a gun that I like. I got a got a piece of armor that's kind of cool, and I've reached the power level requirement for the highest thing in the game. I'm fine. I'm good. I can just sit here and wait for the next DLC. It's fine. Yeah, and that's I guess that's fine. Like, (laughs) I've noticed more and more people that are just like, I'm so done with Destiny. I've been, I've leveled up three characters up to 300 power level, and now there's nothing else to do. This is this is a joke. I'm like, you spent sixty dollars for a game, probably played it for like a hundred hours. Now you're complaining there's nothing else to do. That seems pretty good to me. Yeah, I just yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to get you in for that long. But then again, they do have the MMO type thing for it like like sort of built like that and partially but not really like if they they were gonna do that they would have you know like the world, the world of warcraft or the final fantasy models where it's like yeah there's actual new stuff to do every single day and there's yeah like there's I mean, more community interactions there's there's very little of that in destiny as it is i know that's just what I'm trying to say is that like it wanted to grasp at the MMO type stuff, just not be as big. And they did. They just they succeeded at that. Yeah. They, yeah. They got a lot. They got a lot of the MMO stuff. That's just, they, they, I don't know, missed out on some of the important parts like MMOs. The story's awesome most of the time, but it's not always the most important part. Story and destiny was pretty fun, but I think they should have put more, end game stuff because especially how easy it was to get to end game level and now there's only yeah. a tiny bit of end game stuff and there's not very much community things that change every week or i mean not every day but at least every week or maybe even every month that changes i don't know 
yeah, it's it's kind of just, you know, once you do have to get through the story and you get up to power level, it really does become a grind where you have to do nothing but the, uh, what do they call it, the public events. Yeah. That, that's really all there is to it. So, yeah, it's, it's a little disappointing in that aspect, but I don't feel, I don't, I don't actually feel ripped off or anything. Like, I definitely got my money's worth out of Destiny 2 so far. Yeah, entertained for sure. me for enough time so I, de- I feel like destiny gets a lot of unjust hate but at the same time it definitely deserves some of the backlash it gets from time to time for for yeah. for a company as prestigious as bungie you you probably sh- sh- they they have grown to a point where they should you should expect a little bit more from them but you shouldn't be too disappointed when they deliver on most of what they actually said so yeah it's weird, but I had a good time with it. This was my my first Destiny experience. I'm like, I'm kind of a fan. Like, if they kind of just continue what they're doing, I may be back for more. I may not. I guess we'll just have to have to see how it goes. I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, the DLCs and the inevitable expansion sometime next year. Um. Anything else to add on the the Destiny Two stuff? Because uh, I know I think all of us have been playing it some. Oh, uh, yeah. I think you guys pretty much nailed it all. Actually, I do have two more things I do want to complain about. One, uh-huh. I find Crucible to be just kind of unbearable. The PvP component. <laughs> yeah, it's just chaotic and not in a good way. It's yeah, I. I could you could say that, and as much as they try to balance guns and stuff, it just never seems <laughs> yeah, balanced. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really do that. <laughs> and the second thing I want to complain about before we, we close it off is, I think it's really bad that there is not a way to solo queue for any of the raid. Like, oh, you can. There's this thing called guided games where you can queue as a solo person but you have to be matched with a full squad, full fire team. So basically if you want to go at the raid by yourself, you have to join this guide to games thing, which requires a ticket that you unlock from the game. You can't just do it. You have to earn a currency to get into the guide to game. And then you have to sit there for 20 to 30 minutes before you find a clan that's willing to accept you. That's, that's, um, that's the thing I, when I first, I got it on console, and I think I have like uh, three 280 plus characters, and I, in like the first week it came out, I picked it up, and some random person invited me to a clan. <laughs> and it was the dumbest luck I ever did, because it's so much nicer being in a clan. Have you been able to just like go to the clan and find other people to join the raid with? Yeah. They okay. have a clan hub. Okay, that's inside nice. the game UI. So that's really good. Yeah, because I sat there and I'm like, do I really want to do this? Because because it's, it's just like, why can't? Why isn't there not a method for just like having solo people oh, yeah. get together with other solo people? It's you like definitely need six people to do it's that. Like, already, it's so. like clear because like clearly it's not going to be the highest quality rating group. Obviously, like you're you're solo players, but it's like you should give the people the option to do that if they want. Because I'm sure there will, you know, you will have a chance of getting a group together that will be able to get through the raid just fine. But it's like, what the heck? 
It's totally alienating yeah. a good chunk of your player base right there. Also, for the Nightfall strikes, the timed ones. Yeah. They don't let you queue up either. And I was like, what? Yeah, that, I did notice that. Like, I'm sitting here like, I can't do these. And that takes some serious coordination because you have to, like, time it out. And it's not like they can't do that because they have a... You're, you can queue up solo for the other, the Vanguard strikes and get a random right. group of people. So it's like, why can't you just do that for the the Nightfalls and the, the Raids? I, like, I don't get it. Just flip the switch button. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe just slow down end game. I don't know. I mean, it slowed down the end game because like I can't, <laughs> unless I have a whole group of people, I can't go and do the Nightfall Raid or the Nightfall Strike or the Nightfall, not the Nightfall Raid, the, the Nightfall Strike or the, the actual Raid because it's just like, well... It's gonna sit here and do some more public events, I guess. Because I think you can start a character, get to level twenty, and get like two sixty-five light in one day. But they like basically yeah. sixty-five to like two eighty takes like two weeks. Yep. Yeah, the the initial grind is pretty tough, but once you get to like two seventy or above, you can get another character there within like ten hours. That's exactly how Destiny One was. Um, that's what people would complain about, like. You would just be getting like mm, items that are only exactly the same or like not not as good as yours, and then you'd finally get one item that brings up one light, and you'd put it on even though it doesn't match. You had to put it on because you wanted to get up that one light. That would happen all the time, and that's why people complain about the grind in Destiny because they literally just wanted to get up to a certain level, and it took weeks to get the right items to just go up you would climb by like one light or one power every time and think of how long that would take i mean because you don't always get legendaries you don't always get good legendaries yeah that's how it is and that's probably how it is going to be until dlc comes out where you get a whole new set of items that come out and then it'll slow down again and then it'll come back go back up when more dlc comes out but that's just destiny that's just how it goes there we go well that's uh this destiny 2 folks i mean probably the biggest game out there right now it's probably gonna keep people busy for a while but yeah i guess it is what it is um michael talk to me about some of the games you've been playing lately um <laughs> definitely a couple i've been interested in just haven't had the chance to to pick up any of them uh, but the first one i want to hear you talk about is a little title called battle chasers night war what the heck is this and how is it? Um so it's a uh, I guess you could say RPG. It's like an older style type game to where you're walking around as your character. Actually, funnily enough, uh South Park also follows, sort of follows this type of combat to where you're walking around as your character on a map and you're trying to go somewhere and when you see an enemy the enemy like comes up and you attack it or it attacks you and then it's like a whole pokemon scene where it goes <laughs> and the, the screen goes black and um your party uh made up of you and or three characters on your side and however many enemies there are um i think it's i think the max is like three or four um and then it's turn-based combat and the whole story premise is pretty cool it's all like it's weird to describe the uh era of it i don't know it's sort of medieval sort of not a lot of magic-y stuff kind of steampunky um, 
Yeah, and it's it's really it's cartoonish. It's really cute, and I don't know. I really like the game. I really like the art style. Um, I don't. It it's just something I saw. I I actually saw um saw it on Steam before I saw Co Carnage play it, but then I watched him play it and I wanted to play it. Um, so I have been playing it a decent amount. Have not beaten the game. Um because I ran into other games that came out, as I'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like it a lot. The mechanics are really good. Everything is pretty defined, uh, refined. Um, really good. Uh, short. I think short. It might not be short. <laughs> um, little RPG game. It's a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, if you like those turn-based combat uh, style games, uh, more old style and all that and especially if you like the art style i recommend getting it it's pretty cheap too right it's not only like 15 dollars or something like that 15 or 20 yeah yeah not too bad from a kind of a little bit of a smaller title but it definitely seemed like it satisfied you so far now you mentioned south park in your little tangent there you know not your tangent but your little uh analysis there and uh you've been playing the brand new one as well how is uh how has the fractured butthole been for you? <laughs> oh, it's been. I said that with a straight face a, too. I'm sure you did. <laughs> um, it it's a lot of fun. It's a lot like the other um, South Park game, except for the combat and some of the play style. It's a lot of fun. If you like the first one, you're definitely gonna like the second one. The combat is a lot better. A little bit more confusing to understand at first, but once you get it. Um, not too bad. Um, you can actually move around and stuff on the map. So it's like 3D um, uh, turn-based combat, basically. So like your moves can affect only a certain number of spaces in front of you, around you, behind you, wherever. That's where your move affects. And if there's no enemies in the area, then you don't hit them. Um, which is pretty cool. And... Pretty advanced, I'd say, for a South Park game, but it was a lot of fun. If you really like South Park, um, well, the humor in this one just gets... <laughs> I don't know if you'd say worse or better um, than the first one, but it's definitely South Park. It's hard South to tell with South Park. <laughs> um, it gets uh, crazier, um, raunchier, uh, really, really bad jokes sometimes. Really, really good jokes sometimes. Uh, you'll definitely be laughing a lot. <laughs> um all the all your all the characters are in it and the story was pretty cool it relates a lot to the tv show and that was pretty cool because i love the tv show so yeah if you got the first one i definitely recommend this one fantastic i'm i'm personally looking forward to picking that up sometime in the future here um so from one ubisoft title to the next (laughs) you being kind of a like the resident assassin's creed expert here <laughs> how how has your experience with assassin's creed origin been um i can't say too much and i don't want to say too much because i've only played like 10 hours of this game and that sounds like a lot but it's actually not because <laughs> i screw around a lot in games like this to where i'm like i need to collect all the collectibles i need to do all the side missions so honestly i'm only like <laughs> three hours into the main campaign okay. maybe four so um it's it's honestly a lot of fun it is very very different from like any other assassin's creed game uh 
the open world is different. The definitely the combat is a lot different. The level <laughs> there was never leveling before, so that's not new. Um, <laughs> the weapons like are now like have rarities which do more damage and stuff, which is mm. completely new. Unfortunately, there is not really a loot crate thing, but sort of. Um, there is uh, pay things where you can get certain weapons and certain uh, costumes and things that you don't have to do. It doesn't really help you or affect you too much because, I mean, it's only single player. So, I don't know. Is I haven't even checked, honestly. To be completely honest, I don't even know if there's a multiplayer for Assassin's Creed Origins. There very well could be, and I just never I, paid attention. I don't think there is. I think they took it out. Okay, well, that's good, because the multiplayer, as unique as it was in the Assassin's Creed games, was never that amazing. It was cool for a little bit. When it first came out, it was uh, cool to play, and like, oh, this is all different and interesting, and then it got really boring and stale. So Now, you mentioned that there's I, like uh, there's like levels and stuff now. Have you run into any mm-hmm. situations where, like, you just encounter an enemy that's too much of a higher level, like you can't do, you can't even touch them or anything like that? Yes, there are. There is like that. Uh, things like that. Like they'll have just like, an exclamation point instead of a level next to them, and I try attacking them, and you do like literally one one hundredth or maybe less of damage to their health bar, and you're like, well, I can't do shit, and then you just walk away. It's just like any other. Uh, open world game like that like uh destiny used to be like that um uh there's probably i don't know there's probably a bunch of games like it but uh yeah there's definitely people that are a lot higher level than you are and that's how the map is uh divided um the Mm. sections that i've been in so far have only been like four sections of the map and there's like 20 to 30 sections um they're divided into level like sort of requirement like the, what they suggest you be what the enemies are going to be and yeah all over egypt and that's a really cool part the map and everything looks amazing like the graphics are really really good which is normally a pretty standard for assassin's creed games mm-hmm. graphics are normally pretty good um story I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to say about this story because it's weird to say that Assassin's Creed like originated in Egypt, I guess. <laughs> I haven't even gotten in far enough into the main story to really know what's going on. So I think next month I will definitely have more to say. I don't know. There's a lot of I'm very uh skeptical of some of the things that are about that are going to happen because I know there's like some very magical, very like definitely things that did not that cannot happen in the real world like giant beasts and stuff in assassin's creed this one and i mean that's the first time for them to do something like that i mean i know not everything in the other assassin's creed is like 100 percent realistic but jumping from that to this is pretty crazy so i I did hear the explanation on how that has come to be and it kind of makes sense oh yeah it's it's a little Maybe a little, um, I don't know how I want to put it, like a little like ham-fisted in the explanation, but I'm like, okay, I, I guess I can see it. I, I can believe it for now. What to say? Um, basically, the reason why all of these strange giant monsters and like mythical creatures are appearing is because of a glitch in the animus. And the one guy, I mean, your guy is facing that back in, what? 
I guess, yeah. That would sort of make sense. The person there that's still... the person that's in the animus is experiencing the glitch. Okay. Yeah, there is still a uh, like real world like present time. <laughs> the real world uh, present time has come back. It's back in the series. Yes, yeah. Okay. I don't know if it was in the last couple of games like Syndicate and stuff. I didn't play those unfortunately. I'm probably going to get to them <laughs> I skipped eventually. those. If it was anything like yeah. the the real world stuff from Black Flag, it's pretty forgettable and doesn't really have any consequences. Yeah. The last real world thing that happened that was pretty cool was in Assassin's Creed 3. And yeah. <laughs> it was based around 2012, which was interesting. A lot of and a lot of stuff th- happened with that. That was pretty cool. But uh, I will have a lot more to say once I actually can get into this game. Um, not saying how much time I will have for a while, just because of school and stuff. But uh, I will definitely try to keep up with this game because I am pretty interested in it. So, All right. We'll have to get back with you once you get a little bit further into the game. Uh, but before we, uh, before we close out the show here, I do want to just get your thoughts on Call of Duty World War II some. I know we already mentioned a little bit previously, but um, talk to me a little bit about like uh, how the campaign and the zombies and all that, like how, how your overall experience has been with it so far. Um, So World War II, I, I liked it a lot. I played the campaign all the way through already, and it was a, a decently longer campaign than your average Call of Duty. Um, it, it, you know, it went through World War II as a, an American soldier, obviously. Um, and I don't know. I found it a lot of fun. It, I learned. I don't know if I want to say I learned things from it, just because I take everything from a obviously a video game with a grain of salt when it comes to history. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty fun. The campaign doesn't feature too many like weird weapons like everything is definitely relatable to the time they didn't try to add things that weren't relative um you follow like a group of a few people of Mm -hmm. like three or like your squad obviously but there's like three or four main characters um and i don't know it it was a lot of fun to be honest um now don't don't they have a thing in the the single player where there's there's like no health regen but you have to actually get health packs again oh yeah i forgot about that that is totally unique to this one or i don't know if it was in call of duty (laughs) one or two because i didn't play those call of duty one actually um, had health packs instead of auto region health (laughs) so we're going back to the roots now yeah um yeah you actually do need health packs to to get your health back and you actually have a so each guy in your squad has an ability to where they can give you something during the game. So like one of your guys gives you more health pack, one of your guys gives you um, more ammo, one of your guys spots enemies like so you can see them, mm-hmm. and then the fourth one gives you like um, a smoke grenade to where you can if you throw it, mortars will drop there. And I think that's it. And then uh, yeah, it was very interesting trying to like i don't know go around trying to make sure i had enough med kits but i only i only put it on normal just because i didn't want to challenge myself because it was just a call of duty campaign and i had enough med kits all the time so fair enough all right so uh enough of my interruptions go ahead and uh, finish describing your other experiences (laughs) of the game it's okay um 
so multiplayer, uh, I find it more fun than the past couple of Call of Duties. I do, I guess I am, uh, I don't know. I'm nostalgic, I guess, for the old World War II games. And it's it's a lot of fun. Um, there are, it seems like there's more automatic weapons than the last one. Like, I guess I'm comparing that to World War, World at War. But it's still decently well-balanced. Um, balanced for a Call of Duty game. And the maps are pretty good. There are a couple bad ones. Those are the ones, like, in the beta. But that's oh, just normal. Of course. Um, <laughs> The doesn't seem like there's much crazy like uh pay to win and crazy skins and crazy things that people can get um as much in this one, which I really like. I mean there are a few things that you can get through paying and I mean I got the pre order bonus, but that was about it. And the beta thing for playing the beta. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, the multiplayer seems fun. It's scratching that itch, you know, for uh playing a call of duty every once in a while that everyone gets um i don't know there's not too much about more to say about a call of duty multiplayer because everyone already knows a lot about call of duty multiplayer this is different because it's world war ii but uh, it's still about the same it's a lot better there's all no more jumping around on jetpacks and all that but uh, yeah zombies in this one is I've played um I played it twice, I think, three times. Not too much, but enough to get to around like twenty something without really trying. Um it's interesting to have uh more mission based zombies and less like survival zombies. Obviously you're trying to survive, but you're actually trying to do stuff in the zombies and build things and get things done. Which I guess the other ones had, but it wasn't always exactly clear what you were supposed to do mm-hmm. in this one there are actually objectives and things like that um i was never one to play too much zombies especially if i was playing with random people but this one i feel like i could do as long as i know what i'm doing i could totally get a group of people through this <laughs> um and it's pretty easy to pick up what you have to do and the zombies aren't crazy except for there are um there's sort of a boss zombie. Um, Interesting. A guy with a flamethrower runs around and chases you, <laughs> takes a lot of damage and does a lot of damage. And um, there's also like, um, I don't know how to describe them. I guess they're just bigger guys. They have a mace and they take a lot of damage. And if once you shoot them, they'll chase after you and hit you and do a lot of damage. And other than that, the map is actually pretty well done. I like the zombies map. There's, um, they definitely set up areas. They know how people play zombies with the, you know, running a train around the map mm, and right. then turning around at choke points and everything. And it's actually pretty well done. There's no like real bad like you know, like dead zones almost where like if you're in this area you're gonna get trapped and die. <laughs> There's most of the time an area where you can just run around, which is nice. Um. I, I haven't figured everything out yet because I haven't put too much into it. I haven't figured out all the story mode yet. Um, the perks are different and pretty interesting. So there's, it doesn't seem like there's any no longer uh, Juggernaut. You mm-hmm. actually you buy armor, okay. where the armor saves you from 
a last hit, basically, of dying. So every time, if you lose all your health, and then you take that one hit that would knock you down, you lose a chunk of armor. And you have three chunks every time you buy it. And every time you buy it, the price doubles. I Well, maybe not doubles. It goes from 500 to 1,000 to 1,500 to 2,000, then 3,000, then 4,000. So mm-hmm. I think I think that's how it goes. And then... um. Uh, so yeah, every time you take a last hit, you take it takes away a chunk of that armor, and as soon as you get hit three times after you know losing all your health, you're down. But if you regenerate health before taking all those chunks out, then you still have those chunks and you have full health. You can go back and rebuy it, um, for the increased price. Then there's obviously we reload speed. Then there's uh, I haven't I haven't gotten to all of them, uh yet so i don't know all the perks uh there's re- increased reload speed increased sprint speed there's actually an increased gun damage one which is pretty good and there's an increased melee damage one yeah i haven't figured out how to do how to find the box all the time and how to uh do pack a punch and all that yet so i still need to get there so far it sounds like it's a it's a pretty good uh interpretation of the zombie mode this time around mm-hmm. that's good to hear it's always been a personal favorite of mine for the series so i'm glad to hear that they didn't totally mess it up like last time <laughs> yeah it's a lot better than <laughs> infinite warfare's uh zombies all right well it's all really uh interesting stuff there um was there uh, any other titles you guys wanted to bring up anything else you want to talk about before we close the show out here uh, nobody played Cuphead yet. Not I have not. yet. I might be picking it up here before the next show, but definitely have a lot of other things that are going to be keeping me busy in the meantime as well. So we'll see. That's my only thing. Um, I, I, we definitely need to play it, so that'll probably happen eventually. <laughs> it looks awesome. Uh, so yeah, speaking of other games coming out here. Um, Stuff that you can expect to be releasing here between the release of this episode and the end of this month includes the PC version of Neo, Sonic Forces, Mario Party, the Top 100, Need for Speed Payback, the remastered version of L.A. Noir, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon, Star Wars Battlefront 2, the Switch version of the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, and of course, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Which I'm personally pretty excited for even with all the microtransactions in it yeah <laughs> i've i just like the idea of being able to play animal crossing on my phone no matter where i'm at whenever i want so that, that's gonna it's gonna keep me busy for a little while uh but yeah i don't that though i think that's going to close the show here um i just want to shout out everyone for tuning in i hope you enjoyed it um and we should be back here sometime in december where we uh discussing everything that's happened this year closing it out so hope you all have a good night and keep on being awesome wake me